So we're going to pray now and kind of get into the word. Um, I like to pray before we get into the word because I think God kind of usually speaks to us uh, in one or two or three of three main ways, right? He speaks to us through his word. That's why we have Bibles, right? He speaks to us through his people. That's why we have preachers. That's job security for me, so I like that one, right? He also speaks to us through his spirit, right? Most of the ways that God reveals himself to us and speaks to us is through his word and through other people and through his spirit. And so I think it's a really good thing for us to realize that we have all of those things working for us. Some people say, man, the Bible's kind of confusing to me. I don't know if I understand it or something like that. And it's hard, man. It's a big, thick book. And it's, it's hard. But let's, let's, let's try to engage all three of those things, okay? So like during the next 36 minutes, 38 minutes, <laughs> like just listen to one of God's people, right? And open God's word and listen to God's spirit. So to sync those things up, here's what I propose. You guys are familiar with this psalm that says, be still and know that I am God. Right? Before we can hear from him, we gotta shut up. Right? We gotta quiet ourselves. We gotta still ourselves and listen. So let's take, this might seem weird to you, I don't care. I was thinking if I cared, but I don't, I don't. I, no, I don't, I just don't. So let's do, here's what we're gonna do. Take a few seconds. Just be still. Let's clear out the cobwebs, right? Let's clear out the clutter. Let's forget about the Cowboys game. Let's forget about the World Series. Let's forget about our kids. Let's forget about the rain. And let's just clear our heads and listen for a minute to God. And then we'll see what he wants to speak to us through his spirit through his word and through his people. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for wanting relationship with us. Thank you for sending Jesus to make that happen. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to connect us. Thank you, Lord, for your word so that you reveal yourself to us through your word. And so today, Lord, man, we've got your spirit in us. We've got your spirit around us. We've got your spirit in your word. Will you just help us sync those things up so we can hear what you have for us today? In Jesus' name, amen. So one day, um, Jesus' disciples came to him, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray, which is kind of weird because they were already praying, right? They'd been praying their whole lives. And I think what they really wanted was for Jesus to teach them to pray like he did because the way Jesus prayed was different. And just like his disciples, we don't want Jesus to just teach us a way to pray or some way to pray. We want Jesus to teach us his way to pray. We want to pray like Jesus prayed because we want to have what Jesus had. And he had full connection to the Father. He, he, not just communication, communion with the Father. He, he, he said the Father and I are one, right? That's the sort of connection that I think we're after. So we don't we don't just want to talk to God, 
right? We don't want to just talk at God. We want to talk with God. Right? We want to sense him and feel him and see him and hear from him and experience him. Um, some of you may have noticed that uh, my wife, Margaret, has been traveling a lot the last year. In fact, I've had a lot of women ask me if I was available because she'd been gone so long. Uh, <laughs> And uh, anyway, so she's been traveling a lot, a lot of different stuff going on in her family. Anyway, so she's been, she's been gone along. And so I, I miss her. We've been married a long time, and I'm used to having her around, you know, and I really miss her. And you know what? Communication is cool. Thank God for technology, right? Because she could, you know, call me every day and a text, you know. She was in Seattle. She sent me a video of those people throwing the fish, like in the movies. Have you seen that? I've always wanted to see that. And she sent me video of that. And so, you know, text is cool. You know, talking on the phone's cool. Video of a fish. That's cool. She sent me a picture of, uh, what's that mountain? Mount, what is it? Rainier in Seattle. It's all covered with snow. That was cool. Um, but that's not the same as being with her, right? Communication's good, but that's not the same connection as actually being, you know, breathing the same air she's breathing, being in the same space that she's in. So I pick her up at the airport in Austin, and I'm driving her back to our house, and I'm just thinking how funny it is that we've been married 43 years, and we were holding hands in the car. <laughs> Whatever. And so I thought, this is, you know, this is funny, because when we were dating, she used to sit right close to me, you know, and now she's all the way over there, and we have to hold hands, because we have a console between us, not because she's rejecting me. <laughs> but so... We're, you know, we're, we're in the car, so it's an hour, right, coming home, and, you know, I talked a while, and then she talked a while, and then nobody talked a while, and I don't remember one single thing we said. But I do remember how good it felt to be with her, right, to be in her presence. And I remember thinking, this is even better than text, right? This is even better than a fish video. This is really a better thing. So what would it be like if instead of just saying words to God, right, instead of just praying to God and talking at him, what if our prayers could be a way that we could really experience him, you know, occupy the same space as him, breathe the same air as him and feel him and see him and sense him and be with him and even, like Jesus, be one with him. And I think that's what the disciples were asking. I think that's what the disciples wanted. I think that's what we all want. I know, that's what I want. And I think that's what Jesus had in mind when he laid out this great prayer outline that we've been studying that we call the Lord's Prayer. It's in Matthew 6, 9, if you've got your Bibles. And it's not... It's not supposed to be comprehensive, right? This is not supposed to be every word that you ever pray or something. It's like an outline. It's like a template of a prayer that's intended to not only give God information, but also to connect us to him and to bring us closer to this um, oneness with him. And so, so far, the prayer has focused on who we're praying to, right? So it's, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And now in verse 11, we're gonna shift our focus from who we're praying to, to who we're praying with and who we're praying for. Because we don't pray, give me my daily bread, forgive me, lead me, deliver me. We pray, give us 
our daily bread. Forgive us our debt. Lead us, deliver us from the evil one. So once we've established and once we see that God is a perfect father and that he can be trusted completely and we recognize that his will is best for us, now we're ready to ask him for his help. And I just, isn't it? Like, are you surprised? Isn't it, isn't it amazing that we can ask God for stuff? You, you know, you have people love to say, I've got a guy, right? Can you imagine? We can ask, and, and he wants us to. He wants us to ask him for stuff. As a matter of fact, he loves giving us good gifts. And in fact, if you look at James 1.17, it tells us that every perfect, every good thing in your life is what? It's a gift coming down from our Father. And Jesus even uses parenting as an example of this in Matthew 7. He says, if you earthly parents know how and love to give good gifts to your kids, then how much more does your heavenly Father want to give the best stuff to his kids? And some of you have told me, as we've been talking about prayer for the last several weeks, some of you have told me that this part of the prayer makes you a little bit uncomfortable, right? It feels a little, you know, it's like it feels strange to ask for stuff when we already have so much stuff and it feels it feels weird to you know to pray for stuff that I want and I see what's happening in Israel or I see what's happening in the Ukraine or I see poverty or I see hunger and it just seems like 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 God has bigger problems to solve you know than my little stuff and I get that Um, in fact um, there's a, a really funny comedian John Christ you guys know who John Christ is he does a really funny bit. Um, he says his sister texted him and said, pray for my son Malachi. You know, he's really struggling right now. He needs healing in his little body. And so he texted her back and said, like, well, what's up? I mean, is he okay? And she goes, yeah, he's having a lot of pain in his thumbs from playing video games. <laughs> and he said, yeah, I ain't praying for that, <laughs> right? No, I'm not attaching my name to that prayer. And I, you know what I'm talking about, right? It just seems like, you know, that seems kind of trivial or, I don't know, something like a lot of our prayers, I think, to us might feel a little bit um, light, yeah? So here's a woman, she's sitting in her car. She's nervous. She's anxious. Because she's about to go in and get a pedicure at a place she's never been before, <laughs> Right? She doesn't know what the future holds, you know, and what it's gonna be like, if they're gonna be any good. And so she takes a deep breath. She prays a silent prayer, God, I am standing on your word. I know you have a good plan for my life. So please, just let him do a good job today. You know, let him, give him skill, give him precision, so that I can have toenails that glorify you. And I just bind the demons of cuticles and toe fungus in Jesus' name. Meanwhile, in Somalia, almost as many people are dying of hunger as are dying in their civil war that they've been fighting for 14 years. And I just get, I I struggle with this, honestly, because I get this image in my head, you know, and here it is, it's, it's Father, Son, and Spirit. And they're in the, 
whatever, Heavenly HQ, right? They're all in their office and they're, you know, they're debriefing, right? Where are we at on world hunger? You know, how are we doing with war? What's going on with the widows and the orphans? Oh, hold up, Larry's buzzing in. Yeah, Larry, what do you got? And I'm like, oh, Father, I'm on the way to the bakery. Please don't let him be out of pumpkin scones, <laughs> right? Do you ever feel like that? Like my prayer, I mean, I'm so blessed. Is this thing really like prayer worthy? Um, several years ago, Mark and I were in Boston with our friends Doug and Val Loy. A lot of you guys know Doug and Val. And you know, we're on vacation. So you know what we're doing, right? We're what? We're, we're walking around a lot. We're eating a lot, right? We're buying a lot of stuff we don't need, right? One, one day we ate ice cream at three different places in one day, right? And so now Boston, if you've been to Boston, driving and parking is the worst in Boston, right? And so we're, we're tired from a day. Our jaws are exhausted from all the chewing. We're tired from walking. And like we come, we're gonna have to park and we're gonna park in this parking garage, right? And it's six floors. I, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of cars in there. And it's like, man, where we wanna go through this door is about a hundred miles from that last parking place. And so Doug says, you know what let's do? Let's pray for a good parking spot. <laughs> and I said in my holiest voice, you know what? I ain't praying for that. I am not gonna sit here with an ice cream cone in my hand, right? And ask God to stop what he's doing and provide us an ice cream cone. And they all said, yeah, Doug, Val, Margaret, man, they're ganging up on me. Come on, man, let's do this. Let's just pray for a good parking spot. And I, and I wouldn't do it, man. I would not do it because I wanna keep God's calendar clear for you know, the big stuff. And I think this brings up a really interesting question. Um, is it okay to ask in prayer like, for the little stuff? And if so, like how little? Right, like a parking spot? Yeah, I mean, probably not, right? What about your kid making the team? What about getting a job promotion? Right? What about getting a job in the first place? Right, it's like, where's, where's, where's the line? That, that, to me, that's a legit question. And I think a bigger question is, why do we ask? And I, I guess I know, I guess I know why we ask I guess what I'm trying to understand is, why does he ask us to ask? Because it's not to inform God of our needs, right? Matthew 6, 8, right before Jesus gives this template, he says, your father knows exactly what you need before you ask him. So why does he ask us to ask? And clearly, he does ask us to ask. Uh, Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you. Matthew 21, whatever you ask in prayer, if you have faith, you receive it. John 14, whatever you ask in my name, I will do. 1 John 5, 14, if we ask anything according to his will. Luke 11, ask and it will happen. John 16, ask and you will receive. Philippians 4, 6, tell God what you need. Matthew 7, everyone who asks receives. James 1, 5 says, if you want wisdom, ask our generous God. And he even says, he won't get mad at you. He won't get mad at you. It's like a pattern throughout the Bible. Even when it's obvious what the need is, he wants us to ask. And in this prayer model, Jesus says, ask. God, please give us our daily bread. Right? We just, I'm, he's telling, asking you, Father, to give us what we need. 
Um, in Mark 10, 51, there's a story of a guy named Bartimaeus. You guys know that story? Bartimaeus was blind, right? So it's, it's a horrible thing to be blind, right? But can you imagine being blind in first century Rome? It was a horrible, horrible existence for this man. And now here comes Jesus, and word gets out, and Bartimaeus is sitting there begging for food because he can't even work. They don't have welfare programs and all that. So he's begging for food and for money. And Jesus comes walking by, and Bartimaeus yells out to him, Son of God, have mercy on me. And Jesus walks over to him. This is Mark 10, 51. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> and Bartimaeus said, are you serious? <laughs> right? Dude, I'm blind, right? I'm blind. I want to see. And Jesus healed him. But Jesus knew he was blind. Everybody knew he was blind. But for some reason, Jesus wanted him to ask. There's something about the asking, right? The father even asked his son to ask. Take a look at this verse. This is Psalm 2.8. God says to the son, only ask, and I will give you the nation's as your inheritance. I'll give you the whole earth as your possession. Just ask. It's weird, huh? Because God knows what we need. Right? He even knows what we want. So it seems like that's enough information for him. Why does he ask us to ask? Now listen, it's always weird to, to try to figure out the motives of a God that I can't really even fully comprehend, but it, it's pretty clear there's something about the asking. And I've really been praying about this and I've really been studying this and thinking about like, what is it about the asking? And I think God's kind of revealed some stuff to me. I think God uses the asking as part of this process for us to experience this connectedness to him and this, this oneness with him. I think Jesus includes asking in this model prayer because he knows that asking is like a first step to this total communication and communion and connectedness and oneness with God. And a few weeks ago, we looked at Matthew 7, 7. Remember that verse? It says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. So it's ask, seek, knock. And we've talked about how this can represent like these steps kind of on the road to experiencing and abiding in and really being in communion with God, being in relationship with God. Because for most people, um, the idea of prayer starts with asking for stuff. And then the second kind of level is seeking God, wanting to know him more, wanting to know about him more. And then like the highest level, way up there, that's, that's knocking that's, what, what are you doing when you're knocking? You're saying, I want to come into your house. And I want to be where you are. I want to sit with you. And I want to eat with you. And I want to be with you. I want to commune with you. And in this, in this prayer model, I think Jesus is showing us kind of that first step to begin to fully connect to God by asking and again, remember, we talked about this, this idea of even calling God our Father, that was a, a, like having a relationship with him that was really shocking to, to these first century Jews. They had always seen God as this like, big, holy, powerful, unknowable, unapproachable 
God. They, they didn't even say his name out loud, right? He was just too far above, too far away. But Jesus apparently wants more for us than just presenting our needs and, and reverencing a distant God. He wants us to have a relationship with our Father. Jesus actually starts this prayer with, honestly, some good old-fashioned plagiarism, right? He, he kind of knocks off a prayer that they were already using. Uh, the Kaddish, if, you've, if, you, if you were raised in the Jewish tradition, then you know they prayed this prayer all the time. I'll put it up for you. Show them the Kaddish. There it is. It says, magnified and hallowed be his great name in this world which he created according to his will, and may he establish his kingdom. Does that sound at all familiar to you? Do you see how that lines up with the beginning of this prayer that Jesus gave us in Matthew 6, 9? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in this first part of the prayer, Jesus is kind of praying what they've always prayed, right? It's just all about, like, God's stuff, right? His name his kingdom, his will. But then in the second part of the prayer, he kind of connects God's stuff to our stuff, to our needs for food and for forgiveness and for leading and for protection. This, this prayer kind of connects God's stuff to our stuff. And I think this this. It represents one of the main purposes of the asking. It's a, it's a step towards what Jesus had with the Father. Real communication, real communion, real oneness with God. I think this daily asking is, is like connective tissue between us and God. And I think that's part of the reason he wants us to ask. And I think there's other reasons. In fact, today we're going to look really fast at five reasons that God want, might want us to ask. And the first most obvious reason is he, he wants to bless us, right? He's a father. He wants to bless his children. And he knows that asking changes things. And that's a good reason to ask right there. Asking changes things. Jesus said we could ask for anything in his name, and he'd do it. And, of course, we know that to be in Jesus' name, it has to be in God's will, right? We talked a little bit about this last week. And we're going to talk a lot more about this in the next few weeks. But God has... A big, wide, sovereign, unchangeable will, right? And just like one example of that within that will is that the world will be redeemed when Jesus comes back and that anybody that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's God's sovereign will. And you know what? That's happening, okay? You can pray against that if you want, but it's not going to matter. That's God's sovereign's will, and it, does not, it doesn't change. It's non-negotiable, right? But within that big, wide, sovereign will, I think there's room for a lot of variables. And that's where there might be some space for our prayer to change things. Because the world can still be redeemed. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can still be saved, whether I get a good parking spot or not, right? Whether I get that job or not, whether my prayer is answered or not, if I get a promotion at work, if I get this healing. Those things, if those things could happen within his sovereign will, then it's possible.
that God might be moved to supernaturally intervene in my life just because he loves me. He's a good father. And he loves giving good gifts to his kids. So if it fits within his sovereign will, he loves to say yes. So there's a lot more to come on this in a few weeks. But I think for right now, the first, the most obvious value for us in the asking is asking changes things. But I think there might be some other reasons that he wants us to ask. Like asking personalizes God. It doesn't change his identity. But it might change our perception of his identity. I think asking helps us to see him as, yeah, he's God for sure, but also to see him as a real person who has an actual personality, who has feelings, who has emotions, who has passions, who has ideas, who has preferences. To see him not only as God, but as this beautiful individual who loves some things and hates some things and wants things and feels things. I think asking God for our needs takes God from being just this like lofty, ethereal, mystical, unknowable, far away being to becoming an actual person, a father who cares about us and loves to give us good gifts. And I think if we're gonna pray like Jesus prayed, right? If we're gonna, if we're gonna have that communion, if we're gonna have that connectedness, if we're gonna have that oneness with God, that's about relationships. And to have relationships, you have to be able to relate to someone, right? And I think asking does that. It personalizes God, it makes God real. It brings God out of the like, clouds of theological abstraction, right? Into the actual dirt and grit and reality of our lives and our needs for jobs and health and finances and relationships, even bread, like the most basic need of all. So praying to some abstract, theological, philosophical being is just not the same as talking to your father about what you need and what you're scared of and what's hurting you. Asking personalizes God. And asking helps heal us from our addiction to independence, which we inherited from great-grandpa Adam and Eve, right? It helps us see our need for God. Asking helps us see that we're not independent. Asking helps us see that we really need him. I think one of the biggest lies that Satan has for us is the lie that we don't need God. It's one of the most damaging lies that Satan has for you is that you don't need God. But when I say every day, God, I see you, and I see that I need you to provide for me for even the most basic stuff, even for the food that I eat today, that reminds me every day that I was designed to be dependent on God. Whether he provides through some, whatever, miraculous bread falling from heaven, or whether he provides through giving me a job opportunity to earn some bread, ultimately asking him every day, seeing him as a father, reminds me that every good and perfect thing comes from him and not from me. Asking helps heal us from our addiction to independence. It helps us see our need for God.
Uh, number four, asking is connecting. We said connecting is what we want. Right? We want to be connected to God. We want to interface with God. We want to be one with God. We want to commune with God. Asking is connecting. And daily asking means daily connecting. It's almost like our, our, our prayer daily for bread is like a daily conversation starter with God, right? So if we only prayed, if we only prayed for our weekly bread or our monthly bread or our yearly bread, then I think Jesus knew that we might slip into only praying weekly or monthly or yearly. So Jesus says we should ask every day for everything that we need. And every time we do, it's a conversation starter. Every, every need that we present to God, even the silly ones, even the little ones, are an opportunity to talk to God. It's also an opportunity to see a miracle. Now, do you remember um, in the desert when um, the Israelites were walking through the desert and every day God would provide fresh manna? Remember that? And they could only take enough for one day. Remember that? They were only allowed to take enough for one day. If they took more than that, it would spoil. So they were only allowed to take enough for one day. So every single morning, they woke up and saw a new miracle of God's love and of God's power. And they had a new reason to return thanksgiving and gratitude to God. I think maybe that's one reason that we should pray for the small stuff. I think that's a reason that we should pray for the less important stuff because everything we ask for in prayer, no matter how little it is, no matter how insignificant it seems, no matter how stupid it is, every, everything that we ask for in prayer is a chance for us to talk to God. It's a chance for us to see a miracle and see God in that miracle. It's a chance for us to give thanks to God, which is another great conversation starter. So think about this. In that, this is where I learned this lesson. It was in that parking garage in Boston. Because I just straight up said, I, I ain't praying for that. I'm too doggone mature, you know, and holy and Christ-like. So, so here's what happened. They prayed without me. They prayed without me. And I rolled my eyes. And as I rolled my eyes, I saw a God who was too busy. And they closed their eyes and prayed. And when they closed their eyes, they saw a God that loved them and that cared about even the littlest stuff. God, in your omnipotence, help us find a parking spot. And so, you know what happened. I mean, so I'm telling you, this garage, you've seen parking garages like this, right? The first spot is like the very first spot. You can't even make the turn there. But then right where the gate opens, spot number two there, that's the one, right? There's where the door is, right? And then the furthest spot is, what do you think, honey, like 200 miles? I mean, it was a long haul from the furthest, from the furthest spot. And so, you know, they, amen or whatever, finish their prayer, the gate opens, and a car pulls out of spot number two, right? And the skies opened, and a rainbow appeared, right? and the angels were singing, and a dove descended, and Margaret and Doug and Val were so happy, 
And I was so bugged. <laughs> yeah, right? And, and, and as I pulled into this perfect parking spot, I was explaining to everybody how this wasn't really a miracle, you know, <laughs> and just a coincidence or whatever. And as I was doing that, they said another prayer. Thank you, God, for showing your love to us. Right? Thank you, God, for caring so much about us. Thank you, God, that you're in such absolute control that you could provide this great parking spot. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> and everybody had a great day except me. Because <laughs> I pouted for about a half hour after that. So here's my question. Here's my question for you. Was that actually a divine intervention? Or, <laughs> or did people just happen to leave at the same time that we just happened to come in? Let me give you the answer. Let me give you the answer to that question. Here's the answer to that question. In a way, it doesn't matter, right? Because Doug and Val and Margaret connected to God in the asking. Right? They saw God in this miracle. They thanked God. So if you're keeping score at home, that's Doug and Val and Margaret, three connections to God, and Holy Pastor Larry, zero. <laughs> okay, good story. Here's the point. So if the ultimate goal of this prayer is having what Jesus had, really seeing God, really experiencing God, being fully connected to God, communing with God, oneness with God. If that's the goal, am I better off waiting for something big to ask for or asking God for everything? Even bread, right? Even good parking spots, right? Asking is connecting. The last one. Asking makes us hungry. I think one of the real reasons he has us ask is asking makes us hungry. Because experiencing God's love and power when he answers our prayers and experiencing God's presence just in the asking and just in the thanking, they're, they're really kind of the same thing. They're, they're, little, they're little samples, right? They're like little tastes of God's kingdom. They're little tastes of his presence. They're just really great appetizers of what his kingdom is gonna be like. They, these, these prayers of asking and these seeing these things happen and giving him thanks, they just, they make us hungry for more of God's love and more of God's power and more of God's presence that we will someday experience fully when his kingdom is fully come. If what we really want is what Jesus had, this connection, this, this oneness with God, really seeing him and knowing him and experiencing him, then these daily prayers for our needs gives us great connective tissue. In fact, in some ways, the asking may be better than the answer. Because the asking not only changes things, it personalizes God, and it reminds us of our need for him, and it connects us to him, and it whets our appetite.
for his presence and for his kingdom. So asking for our needs and our daily bread, amazing connective tissue. But I have to say this, the greatest connective tissue, the way that we really come to see God and the way that we really get to know God and really get to experience God, the way we get to really have life in God is through the bread that we need the most, and that's Jesus. In fact, Jesus said in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. So what does that mean? I mean, that means that he, he gives life. That means that he sustains life. But he was talking about new life. He was talking about eternal life. He was talking about a better life. And if you've never asked God for that bread, if you've never asked God for that life, maybe you should ask him today. Because he wants to give you good bread. He wants to give you good things. He wants to give you the best thing. He, what, if, what if you wanted to know that you were gonna be okay after you die? What if you wanted to know that God wasn't mad at you right now? What if you wanted to know that even if you make a mistake, he's not gonna stop loving you anymore? What if you wanted to know that you were adopted into his family and you could never be kicked out? What if you really wanted to know that? Meanwhile, he really wanted to give you all that. And he was just waiting for you to ask. If you ask our Father, he will. That's praying in Jesus' name, man. That's what he wants. That is his will. He will accept you as you are, and he will forgive you for your mistakes, and he will fill you with his power and his love and his spirit. That's actually the gift he was talking about. When Jesus said, if you parents know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more does the Heavenly Father want to give the best gifts to his kids? The gift he was talking about is the gift of the Holy Spirit in you. And that gift is a sign of your salvation. That gift is a sign that your sins are forgiven, that you're in a relationship with God, that you'll spend forever with him in his kingdom. That gift is a sign that you are saved from sin, from judgment, the consequences of sin, that you are saved from eternal separation from God. And just real quick, I'll tell you, Romans 10, 9 tells us how to get saved. It says, if you believe in your heart, Jesus raised from the dead, and you say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's how you do it. That's how you ask God for the gift of salvation. So let me just say this. You don't have to fully understand that to accept that, right? I know, because my kids gave me a computer. Yeah? Yeah? I don't fully understand the gift, but I'm thankful for the gift. I can accept the gift. You can accept this free gift of salvation, this relationship with God, this filling of the Holy Spirit, this forgiveness of your sin, the eternal life that Jesus came to give you. That's a gift. And all you really have to do is accept it. And you accept that gift by saying with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And so if you're ready to accept that gift today, man, you're probably all Christians. I mean, you're here, it's raining, you could have stayed home, but you came to church. I'm guessing probably most of you, if not all of you, are already Christians, right? And you're already thankful for this amazing gift. But if you're not there yet, man, you should get there. You, wouldn't it be horrible to have that amazing gift available to you and all you had to do was ask and you didn't ask? So if you want to, let's ask now, okay? I'm gonna lead you in a really simple prayer right now. I gotta warn you, these words don't save you, Okay, the way I say it doesn't save you. What saves you is you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you say with your mouth that he's Lord. 
that you trust him now more than you trust you so that you're gonna believe in him and listen to him and follow him and by his spirit do what he asks you to do instead of what you feel like doing. That's what it means. If you're ready to do that, let's just say this prayer. Everybody can repeat this prayer with me, okay? Just pray like this. Jesus, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. Today I become a Christian. I believe in you as my risen savior. And I'm asking you to be my Lord. So fill me with your spirit. Teach me from your word. Help me to live your life for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, look, if you did that today, this is really important. It's really fast. It's so simple. It's so simple. But this is a long journey, man. This is just the very, very first step. We want to be with you for next steps. So here's what I would ask you to do. If you became a Christian today, go get one of those connection cards and check the box that says, today I decided to follow Jesus. Okay, I'll give you a call this week. We'll talk about next steps. They'll give you a Bible that you can actually read and understand. In fact, we're doing some baptisms after the second service. Stick around, we'll baptize you today, okay? These are gonna be the next steps that you're gonna take. If you became a Christian today, please let us know because we wanna walk this journey with you. If you're visiting with us today, please let us know that you were here. Grab one of those connection cards and tell us. I'd just love to give you a call, send you a little present and say thanks for coming to church. That's it. God bless you guys. I love you. Have a great week.